Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And he swings. Hits it high. And deep. And gone. Still going back. Welcome back to The Call-Up, your go-to podcast on the future stars of Major League Baseball. It's Friday, August 25th, and ironically, we are counting down from prospect 25 down to 11. Jack, we, we, we're we not recycling. We've, we've made it clear. We've made it a very clear point. We are not going to recycle that this group was better than the last group. Actually, the converse. I think that this group is more electric in terms of like discussion topics then the top 10 when we get to the top 10. And I know that is not a great plug to, for the next episode uh, because whoever's listening to this is already listening to us. So very, very bad marketing strategy here. But right. these groups of names are guys I'm just personally more excited to talk about because it's either big movers, younger guys. Um, I don't know, just kind of more more guys we haven't talked about as much. So I'm really, I, I'm really excited about this one. This might be my favorite episode of all of the groups that we've done so far and we haven't even started yet yeah no i this group is utterly electric and that's kind of how just baseball got started right bad marketing strategy that mm-hmm. yeah they, well, i think that's yeah it's kind of the as genesis do an of episode, just baseball yeah as we do an episode say that the next one will only be shittier yes that's that's how that's that's how we do it it works really well but people like listening to it because it's almost like oh this tastes brutal try it you know what i mean yeah. <laughs> like how hey, much worse can it get <laughs> it's like hey this smells like shit you should go smell this and see for yeah. yourself um no i mean it's the top 10 prospects in baseball so it's going to be stupidly electric but 25 to 11 is very fun because there are some guys that you know we shoved up you shoved up to uncomfortable you know, yeah. rankings like it was how high can we push this guy? And the answer was in the 25 to 11 range. There are some other guys that uh, we're really excited to see kind of hit the ground running at the major league level. Um, yeah. And I think these are some of the guys that you know are, are going to factor into a September playoff race, which I'm really excited for. So we get to number 25 here on the list and it'll probably be the most boring player that we're going to discuss. But for all the right reasons. It's Logan O'Hoppy of the Los Angeles Angels. And, you know, we, we were kind of talking about it. This midseason update took a lot more time because there were so many new names, so many graduations from the preseason list. But in our end of season update, which will be coming very quickly, I think right around the Arizona Fall League time, of course, O'Hoppy will be off. He's already pretty much graduated. And, and all of the things that we loved about Logan O'Hoppy is we got to see him through the minor leagues, Jack. You can now see metrically at the big league level. And it's just and, – and I think there's you, – you have to understand, like, there's a level of just kind of shaking off the rust that comes with, you know, a torn labrum in your shoulder and, you know, kind of get rolling again. 
but he couldn't have got off to a better start to his professional or to his big league career. And, yeah. you know, I mean, he, he's just so well-rounded and you can see that with the grades across the board. And I think you can see it now with the metrics at the big league level. It's above average hit. It's above average raw power. It's above average defense. And it's the future of the Los Angeles Angels behind the dish. Yes, um, I, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Like, that's what I was going to say. This guy has, you know, at last year's deadline, you had no idea what the future of the catching position held. Edgar Carroll was having a great year in that organization. But when they made that swap, Ohapi for Marsh, that looks like a mutually beneficial deal because Ohapi was going to be ready before Real Muto was anywhere close to coming off the books. And now Ohapi looks like the guy moving forward, which is yeah. really cool. And this guy immediately vaults into, I, I think, an average or slightly above average catcher with the chance to become a top 10 catcher in Major League Baseball pretty quickly. Big time Our, breakout. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Sorry. I, I, I'm not looking at your face, so I didn't know if you were done talking or not. Because I was going to say, is his rookie eligibility still intact for next year? Um, I don't He'll probably know. lose it, though, regardless. We got 35 to go. He'll probably lose it. Um, what I was going to say real quick. Yeah, yeah, the I, breakout, this, dude. Highlight that. Highlight yeah, that. Yeah, breakout is big time. And this guy's breakout started in the fall league in 2021. Mm-hmm. And, and I watched this guy in short season ball with the Williamsport Crosscutters in 2019. <laughs> and I was not impressed. This was a late round Long Island high school kid that I was like, okay, he screams or guy, right? That's when I first learned the definition of or guy. I was like, all right, this guy's going to you know slowly make his way through. 2021, like, yeah, he hits 270, has an OPS at, at 790, but you know, it's a slightly above average year. And he was kind of hit with the or guy thing. It was 85 games in high A. He was playing well, but then it was – are you needed in double? Go get it. Are you needed in triple? Go get it. Yeah. 2021, he started to get some of that prospect intrigue because he was a young guy, 21 years old. But he goes to the Fall League and lights it on fire. 11 extra base hits in 22 games. He's, he walked more than he struck out. And he parlays that into arguably the best minor league season from a hitter in 2022. We sided with Andy Rodriguez, but Logan Ohapi was right behind him. And I think this guy is like, it takes one stop of dominance to develop confidence. And I think what we saw from Ohapi in 22 and, and he's figured out how to tap into it moving forward is this guy's incredibly confident. A hundred percent. You know, I think he, I love the, the story you kind of tell through the, through the, the stat page. Whereas I think in 2021, that performance kind of shook off the, Hey, we're going to, you know, you're totally just going to be tossed around like a rag doll and or guy you like, I think they saw because the glove was he was always glove first. It was like, this is a guy that's going to bounce around for us in the minor leagues a little bit, but he could probably develop into a good backup catcher for us at the highest level. Like he could be a a piece for us, a depth option, a Chad Wallach type, maybe at the big league level. Um, and they send those guys to the fall league all the time um, just to either get more reps because they don't get as many at bats during the season because they're not playing every single day. Um, but he, again, just started to force his way into relevancy the performance in the fall league and then what he did in 2022. Uh, and it, again, it was like, this is a guy that's glove first. And then you're watching him hit 15 home runs in 75 games and, and do what he did with the contact to walk the way he did. And then the trade happens and he goes like beyond nuclear, beyond nuclear, 29 games with the angels, 11 pumps. And the rest was kind of history. And, you know, I think the rest will remain to be history. Like this is a guy that has blossomed into a legitimate, well-rounded, talented catcher what a id by the phillies 
yeah. in the 23rd round in 2018. And, and what a development story here as well. Um, and, and what a trade for both teams. Marsh, definitely a big part of what the Phillies are doing. Ohapi, I mean, he really helps the outlook of the Angels long term because they don't have a lot of young pieces that you can you know, really lean on and say, this is a part of our core. You got Zach Neto, you've got Ohapi, you got one or two other guys and like, you know, Detmers, of course. And, you know, you can name a couple other arms, but it, it's 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 thin. And this is a big help for them. Yep. Big time. Get to 24. And it, I'm glad we can talk about Jason Dominguez right now. And I, and I can't believe I'm saying that. But like I was talking to uh, one of our one of our guys on Twitter that I, I love to, to interact with Addison big time Yankees account um, puts out really good stuff out there. I know you've cited some of the stats that he's put out from time to time. Um, And I was like, I can't believe that I'm turning into a Jason Dominguez advocate at this point, but I am because I think it's so ridiculous. The prospect fatigue that this guy has suffered. He's 20 years old and we're going to do the whole episode on promotions. He just got promoted to triple A as that trickle down effect of Everson Pereira going to the big leagues. His first career double yesterday, by the way, absolutely scorched. Um, Jason Dominguez, three hits in his triple A debut. Dominguez is really damn good. Is he Trout? No. Is he Mickey Mantle? Probably not. No, not that either. But he's a top 25 prospect in the game. And, and, and throw all of the narratives out. Throw everything that you've heard and just zoom in on the player. Like, I don't give a, I don't give a shit what he signed for. I don't care what, what ESPN article said about him and all of the, like, that is not baked into these rankings. And, like, I, I rarely am going to, like, feel like I have to explain myself. Like, I usually just want to explain the ranking. But I couldn't believe how many people were like, oh, my gosh. Like, we're, how, when are we going to stop with the Dominguez stuff? Because he started the season, you know, through his first 30 games with a 795 OPS and a low batting average, uh, pretty much since then has gone absolutely nuclear. And if you take the poll, like if you pull his last 50 games, he is hitting, let's see right here, last 50 games, he's hitting 320, 398, 469 with a 22% K rate, 11% walk rate, and like 25 stolen bases. That's a 20-year-old in double-A in a couple games in triple-A now. Yet, everybody wants Marcelo Meyer in the top 15, who has been blown up in double-A as a 20-year-old. They both play premium positions. One is stealing 20 bags. One is a switch hitter. One has more power. And again, just zoom in on the player. I know I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm sorry for ranting for so long, Jack. But like, zoom in on the player. Above-average contact rates, 90th percentile legs of velocity of 106, plus run times, good defense in center field, low chase rate, like throw the narrative out. This is a top 25 prospect in a vacuum. And he's continuing to prove that and is continuing to overcome any adversity that he goes through for a span of time. Well, I think we got caught in him being a Yankee prospect and the number one prospect when he was 17 years old. Like that's where we got screwed because, you know, guys are given a different level of burden of prospect burden when they are in a major market. If you are a Yankee prospect, I think the Yankees are number one. If you are a Yankee prospect, you are put on a higher pedestal than Dodger prospects, than Red Sox prospects, than Mets prospects, all those guys. When you think major market and when you think like, you know, organizations, here's the thing, man. 
Jackson Holiday has not had the revolutionary articles in the New York Post written about him like Jason Dominguez did when he was 17 years old. That's the beast that comes with being a Yankee prospect. I think it's really only the Yankees and Red Sox because they are are littered with amazing lineage of terrific people at every position. So when the next Red Sox shortstop is coming up, is it, hey, is he the next Nomar? When yeah. when a Yankee center fielder is coming up. I mean, Volpe, dude. Volpe, like how many times have we heard Derek Jeter's name associated with Anthony Volpe at this point? Uh, and it's so funny because it's Volpe. It's like, we're so frustrated. I know he's been better, but it's like, we're so frustrated with this guy. There's so many teams in Major League Baseball that would be over the moon with exactly Anthony Volpe's production in his rookie season. You know what yes. I'm saying? So it's like yes. that part of it's fascinating. I think there's also the level of those big market teams are always – looking for the big league option, the all-star to spend money and for a prospect to be able to, you know, kind of smooth sail and, and, and project as a regular, they have to play out of their minds and prove that they're better than any free agent option because you have to always. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to have the pipe dream of this guy's the next mantle. This guy's the next Dimaggio. Which is bizarre. Which is bizarre. It's bizarre, and it's so unfair. And the fact that Jason Dominguez took that in stride as a 19- and 20-year-old the last two years is so commendable. And that's the thing. He's handled the adversity. He's handled the unrealistic expectations. I see this guy in the Arizona Fall League, you know, just getting harassed by fans, handling that extremely well. Um, And again, I'm looking at the player. I don't care what organization he's in. He's a top 25 prospect for me. Uh, and you look at the last 40 games, by the way, or 39 games I'm pulling from fan graphs, WRC plus, and this includes three AAA games and then the rest are double A games. WRC plus of 158, 11% walk rate, 19% K rate, slashing 352, 419, 533. Uh, the other thing that stands out, again, he's getting faster and faster. Like he's always been able to run, but it was like slower to get to the top speed. He slimmed down a little bit. It's twitchier. It's quicker. 37 bags. On, on 44 tries this year with 15 home runs, with everything else we're talking about, with the ability to stick in center and a plus-plus arm. This is a top 25 prospect. I just don't know how many times I have to say it. Um, I feel bad that there's this level of prospect fatigue, and I think those there's like almost a confirmation bias of negativity at this point because if he puts up a 900 OPS, that was what was expected. Anything below that for a month, what is he doing? So a 785 OPS over the Road course of this falling. entire – yeah. 785 OPS over the course of this entire season. That's all people see. And they say, that's not a top 25 prospect. And I say, you had a kid getting acclimated to double A as a just turned 20 year old for two months. Then he got acclimated and has been lighting it up since, but that's not going to show because of how bad the first month or so was. So silly to me. I think he's special. I think he's going to continue to rise and um, he's, he's a damn good player. And I think he's got the makeup to back it up too. Number 23, one of my favorite stories in minor league baseball, Eston Kerstad. Talk about a guy that has made up for lost time with the Baltimore Orioles. Number two overall pick in 2020, Jack. And, um, you know, the whole story with basically him, him signing and then being diagnosed shortly after with myocarditis, inflammation of the heart. That also came after a canceled 2020 season. So he had over 800 days between his final collegiate game and his first professional game. So when I saw him on the fall league, I saw a guy that was still kind of trying to get get back in the swing of things, literally. Um, you know, just 
timing was a little off. He's got a big leg kick. There's moving parts to his swing, but it had never been an issue for him. Well, baseball ain't riding a bike. So 821 days or whatever it was off of baseball, there was just uh, rust to shake off, understandably. But what I've really been able to see now over the course of the last 100-plus games that I've been able to watch from him is he's a good hitter, man. It's not just the power. He is a bat-to-ball guy. Like He's too aggressive right now, and that's something that he'll need to rein in a little bit. But again, he's had a limited amount of at-bats both professionally and, and in the amateur ranks. But the contact rates are spectacular. On the co- over the course of the year, 85% zone contact. Over the course of his last 50 games, 88% zone contact. And if you look at you know just the way that he's been able to get into that pull side power, the way he's been able to spray the ball all over the field, uh, he's a fine defender in the corner. They've even played him at first base a little bit, which I think could end up being his future. You know, with the Orioles, if, if they end up moving off Mount Castle, who's been going nuts, by the way, since he overcame the vertigo situation, which is also an awesome story. Um, Kerstad looks like, I mean, they underslotted this guy too, man. Like they use savings with this guy. And he looks like one of the best bats of that class, as they thought he was. Um, he looks awesome. Common Mike Elias W recently yeah. when it comes to identification and getting it done via the draft. And and obviously they've had a really good go of it in international free agency. And I think the poster boy for that is Samuel Basayo, who we talked about a couple episodes Ooh. ago. But um man, like they are so ridiculously good at this draft thing. Because it was Kerstad with their first pick, Westberg with their second pick. I think 2020 they just overall aced it. So you you know who they got with their fourth pick, right? Was it Mayo? Yep. Yeah, like, come That's on disgusting. now. That's disgusting. That's disgusting. It's them. Singing also, Hudson, Hudson Haskin in the second round. He He's no slouch. He's no slouch. I think it was them in St. Louis that had an amazing oh, draft. Shit. 2020 was like Walker, Wynn, Graceffo, right? It was. Yeah, no, 2020 was comical. Absolutely comical. So, like, there were teams that made out like bandits. And, and Baltimore was one of them. And it started with Heston Kerstad by underslotting. And. I, I think what they saw was who they believed to be the best hitter in the country, you know, maybe better than Torkelson. And like his 2020, albeit 16 games, seemed to indicate that. And and Torkelson was as close to a flawless college hitter as you'll find. But Kerstad, there was so much to dream on. I think you are losing a little bit of value if you move him to first base. But I yeah. think if he is the plan moving forward at first base, that bat needs to be in the lineup right now and i think and that's that what guy, i love that's yeah. what i love is, and i is, think this guy is perfect for september one yeah and that's what i love about it though is you know yes you lose some value but being able to have that versatility is so awesome because you know then then you can move him the outfit you can put him at first it like it just gives you the ability to keep him you know in the in the lineup with all these other bats that you have i mean they drafted three top 100 prospects with five picks or six picks And the thing that stands out the most to me is they thought Kerstad was the best college bat, I guess, you know, from that spot onward. And it's proven to be a very fair thought. But then using the savings of a guy that they may have drafted at that spot anyways to then get a Kobe Mayo over slot and then to get I think Westberg was either full slot or slightly over. Like that's just that's just incredible stuff. Um, one you know, of my favorite drafts, like I th- I want to look back at some of the, you know, we'll do that in the off season, some great off season content for you and I, it's just yeah. like some of the biggest like banger drafts recently oh, and how, how money being shifted around 
allowed certain teams to just absolutely eat. And this is a perfect example of that. Um, I, I just went on the verge and, you know, the Orioles prospect podcast, they do a great job. And they were kind of asking where I see Kerstat's future. And I was said, I think he's a solid left fielder. Uh, and I'm, But, you know, I think there's a world where he plays a fair amount of first base just because it's all about the bat. My only, only, only concern is a 36% chase rate. That's mm-hmm. it. And again, it's the same point I use with Pete Crow Armstrong. How are you going to tell a dude hitting 306 with pumps to swing less? Like it's going to just require either maybe nothing. Maybe he can There's guys that succeed with 35% chase rates. They have to be really good hitters. He's a really good hitter. Or a little bit of adversity. And guess what? You have an easy fix. It's just, hey, I, I got I to gotta rein in the approach a little bit. At least you have yeah. an answer if you do struggle. So I, I, I love that that's really the only issue he has. Yeah. Um, another thing, and I'm not, I'm not comping the offense to it whatsoever. I'm just trying to comp the situation to it. If Kerstad needs to bounce around a little bit defensively for two years before he finds a true defensive home, that's fine. And I think that a lot of people forget that a 22-year-old and 23-year-old in Oakland did that too. In 2016, Matt Olson split time almost evenly between first base and right field, and he played about a quarter of his games in 2017 in right field. So this guy was playing first base and right field. All of a sudden, first base opens up in 2018, and he runs with it and never looks back. So I like it's okay to not have a firm everyday role for Kerstad. I think yeah. September 1 comes around. If they need a day in left, he can go do that. If they need a day in right, he can go do that. If they need a day at first base, he can go do that. Just he, get the bat in the lineup. And he's been seeing more action at first, and I think that's what makes him one of the best candidates for when rosters expand. And that'll be an episode for us next week as well uh, once we finish up this top prospect list. Reminder, that's it's linked in the episode description. Uh, 22. We got to be the high guys on Cole Young, right? I, I don't know if anyone's got him higher. Mariners prospect who I have just fallen in love with in terms of what he is able to do on the field and the upside as well. We talked about that, uh, the comp I couldn't take credit for, um, but the Daniel Murphy comp, I mean, it, it's it's pretty uncanny, man. Like, and, and there's a chance that he can stick and play an average shortstop. If he does that, then it's an even better profile. Uh, but this 19-year-old pretty much since being drafted 21st overall, it's talking about another team that's drafted very well by the way, Jack, Uh, 21st overall in 2022. He placed, what, seven games at the complex, lights it up. Ten games at low A, lights it up. Starts the season in 2023 at low A, lights it up. And then he gets promoted to high A, lights it up. And it's just like the same numbers at every stop. Uh, What's crazy is he's actually feeling some of the batted ball data. I think he's been somewhat unlucky. (laughs) And and he's still putting up – 128 WRC plus in low A, 133 WRC plus in high A. He just turned 20 this month. Um, doesn't strike out. Extremely patient. Sneaky good base runner. I'm. I do wonder if he can stick it short. I do think that he ultimately could move to second, where he plays a good second, but and, and you know is a guy that could play short in a pinch. But he's walked more than he struck out this year. His contact rates are well above average. And I think what's most undersold about him is that there's a little bit more room for projection on his frame, and he's popped a couple hundred tens already, and including an 110.5. If you've got his approach, his swing, his feel to hit, 
and already popping one tens. That's some frame defying juice, Jack. I, I'm 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 all the way in on this dude. So you, you mentioned the numbers are pretty much identical at every spot. Um, I was going to point to walks and strikeouts at the complex in seven games, four walks, four Ks. So zero difference. Four walks and four Ks in ten games in low A. Zero difference. 2023, 78 games in high A, like or in low A, like you mentioned, 54 walks, 52 K. So plus two in the walk to K department. So far, 34 games in high A, 27 walks, 28 K. So minus one. So on his career, in 129 games, he's plus one in walks to K's, 89 to 88. He's going to do both evenly, which is so cool. And like you never see that type of consistency across levels. Like no. A ton of that is probably coincidence, but it's a fun coincidence. Well, and it's also just like, yes, maybe, but he's also one of those players where like, I'll buy that, you know, I'll buy that. It's not a coincidence. Like he is just a model of consistency kind of guy. And that's why I think like nothing will scream or jump off the page, but I just feel so safe with him. And then when you start to see what he's doing, like in terms of flashing those one tens, um, starting to lift the ball with some authority uh, and, and getting into a little bit of juice, I start to wonder, like, maybe there's more upside than people think. And that's why I think there's 15, 20 home run power in the tank with a plus plus borderline field to hit, above average run. And if he can stick it short, man, he might turn into one of the best prospects in baseball. If he moves to second, I still think he is, you know, could be in that Amador territory, which is a top 10 prospect in the game as he continues to climb. Yeah, that's really good. 21. Talk about climbing, man. This guy has climbed. Roman Anthony, outfield prospect, Boston Red Sox. I think ever since we said Roman Anthony's about to go nuclear, he went absolutely nuclear. And this was a dude that when we had that conversation about low A and being a patient hitter and how it can work against you sometimes with the big zones. I think Roman Anthony was an example of that. I also think that there were some other things at hand. He had needed to figure out how to lift the ball in the air, you know, a little bit more consistently. That was a challenge for him was at times he just like many young hitters on the front foot a bit early. I kind of call it like a two legged swing, you know, not really getting into his backside. He was a young hitter trying to put bat on ball at, you know, the full season level. Had really good EVs. So I was like, man, if he lifts, Jeff Ponce would always tweet. Every time Roman Anthony hit a home run, Jeff Ponce would be like, oh, if he keeps doing this, it's over. And, and Jeff Ponce was right at uh, Baseball America. And and you can see it now. 47 games in high A, but 42 games in low A, 228, 376, 316, which, by the way, because that league is so hard to hit in for whatever reason, 109 WRC+. plus. High A, though, 47 games, 296, 411, 581 jack 11 pumps five of them are oppo over the monster uh 29 k rate 16 walk rate the only reason i think the k rate's high is he's extremely patient likes to get deep into counts and like we talked about with emmanuel rodriguez and, and eduard julian there's that balance of passive and patient and he's learning that but i love a, a a player that's already that patient um and it's been funny to see how comfortable he is flicking flicking these home runs over the monster the other way like that's going to play, you know, that, you know, it's going to work at the highest level. Um, it's been awesome to see this guy match to a 165 WRC plus in high A. Yeah. You, you want me on here to, I think, spew crazy takes, right? Like that's why 
this works because you'll give a lot of detailed analysis and then I'll say this guy's going to win four MVPs in his career. Um, Roman Anthony, if he finishes this year in high A, you know, maybe gets a, you know, 10 game sample in double A, I think 21 is going to feel really low for him as we go into next season, to be totally honest with you. I I think that there's a chance that the final five weeks of the season, four or five weeks of the season could be, I like, the thing that pushes Roman Anthony in the 15 to 10 range. Dude, I'm with you because you're looking at a guy who I think can stick in center field above average run times. I was impressed with the reads out there in center from what I was able to see and impressed with the routes. If he's an everyday center fielder with plus power above average contact rates, if he can find a way to, you know, kind of continue to cut down those K's. Yeah. I think, I think he's easily a top 10 prospect in baseball. Uh, very, yeah. very soon. It's been crazy to see him just kind of overtake uh, Marcelo Meyer so quickly. And I don't even think it's an indictment on Meyer's performance. If Meyer was playing better, I still think Roman Anthony overtakes him with the way that he has looked. So yeah. it's been really cool to see. And by the way, just pure swing nerd in me, it's one of my favorite swings in the minor leagues. When he when he is beautiful. under control, it is a beautiful swing. And the bat speed is is crazy. And going to get a pitch inside is like where I really love it. And obviously, you know, middle, middle, and, and he gets his best swing off. Like, that's beautiful. But seeing him bring his hands in and oh, get easy. to a pitch low and in, maybe off the plate inside, is like easy. aesthetically hot. Yes. And, and then the other thing that's nuts is he creates so much leverage is pitches down in a way, or sometimes even inside that he inside out, he's putting him over the monster. Yeah, I, I, I like. I think he has five or six homers over the monster. So since he's gone to Greenville, it's just been it's he's been a machine. I'll be honest. I am absolutely kicking myself for not buying his cards because there was a point in time, Jack, where like if you went on alt, you could find his his cards for thirty dollars. You know, I was going on eBay finding his Bowman Chrome autos for thirty bucks, and now it's like. You know, he's gone nuclear. It's just too late. Like, I missed the boat. And and this is why I always have to fight the itch. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll you know, say, oh, well, you know, I still really believe in him. I can buy it. But he's priced like a top 20 prospect. I can't buy it. So I got to wait for the for the next player to to, to kind of have that that ascension. And I wish, because like, I could have got it for $30. Now it's 100 plus. Um, but we'll have some other cards that we're going to talk about, which you can track at alt.xyz, which is the – Best place to pretty much find anything you need to find on the card market as the card market continues to heat up in the final stretch here of the minor league season. And then as we get into the postseason for the big league cards, well, literally the only place to search for these cards is alt.xyz. The only platform that allows you to search all the major marketplaces and eBay at once. All you have to do is download the free alt app in our episode description Type a player card into the search bar and alt will return every graded card available for sale. Even better, you can save your search and be notified every time that card is available. So if it's if it's a card that is, you know, in a newer product, for example, like I'm really pumped about 2023 draft. You and I are going to be chasing Dylan Head, but guy, it, people have to rip them out of packs and sell them. So you're kind of waiting you'll be able to kind of find out once they're graded and put up for sale. You can be notified every single time a Dylan head card is up for sale so that you don't miss it and you can buy it. Alt.xyz makes that possible. They have a universal search for all active listings on cards across every single marketplace. 
it's really hard to find a much easier and effective tool to find the cards that you want in this space than alt.xyz. Bingo. Uh, are you going to save the Roman Anthony search? Like if something comes up and it's like that price point's lower than typical, but everything is high. In the, like they know in the, the off, in the off season. Yeah. I, I've noticed that the, the prices tend to like kind of drop a little bit in the off season. And, and I believe in Anthony enough to where like, if he's priced below, like still like an Evan Carter, I I'd, I'd get in, I'd get in. So I'm definitely going to have the notifications on there. Um, but dude, you could have got cards for 30 bucks. 30 bucks. We missed the boat. Um, I just didn't have the, didn't have the funds at the time. Um, didn't have the funds, but for real quick, before we move on, I just got some of my, uh, some of my cards back that I put up that I sent out for grading. And this was a guy we didn't miss the boat on for those who are watching on YouTube. And this will probably be for sale kind of soon. I might sell it on alt, uh, Colt Keith PSA 10 right there. Bowman Chrome auto. I, Stacked up the Keiths as much as I could, and we'll be talking about him in a minute here. Good on um, you. Next up, Max Clark, number twenty. I mean, just got to just got to sign to low A, which is awesome. Uh, yep. All these draft guys are, are getting so advanced that I mean, I, the next guy we're going to get to as well. I mean, I've just had a ball watching what he's been able to do, dude. But Max Max Clark, man, I mean, I I don't think he could have had a much stronger start to his professional career thus far i think he looks really really good i think he looks really really athletic and you can understand why the tigers fell in love with with him you know we're going to talk about langford we're going to talk about those other guys i think it's kind of a tired topic at this point in terms of who they should have drafted they drafted who they drafted and i i think there's a very real scenario here where you're not going to regret it because he's going to be really good. Like, so I, you know, I, I, I think there's this level of, Hey, we have the other guys that were drafted after him ranked ahead of him. Sure. But he's a top 20 prospect in baseball. And honestly, man, everything that I've been able to see, because of course I've been able to get more info, more video, more data uh, since he's been, since he's gone pro I've, I've only elevated my perspective on him in terms of the swing elite moves in the box because of his mobility. And remember this is a good football player, uh, yeah. just elite back hit moves in the box. The feel for the barrel is pretty impressive kind of frame defying juice. It, there's, there's some of that and I'm not comparing him to him, but like there's some of that Corbin Carroll in him where it's like, mm-hmm. how does he produce that? You know what I'm saying? Like you look at the frame and then you see him pull a one Oh five out and you, you know, there's going to be more juice in there as he grows. And you're like, how does that happen? And I think there's there's some of that in there, some of that Carol twitch. Yeah, no, I, I like the Carol idea. Frame-wise, I was also thinking another Diamondback, Alec Thomas, because uh-huh. Thomas kind of has that jitterbug type where he's he's strong, he's sturdy, but he also moves so well. So I think these guys are physical freaks. And, like, if you've seen Max Clark on social media, you know that this guy moves a lot of weight when he's in the gym. And, and that is – you know, really impressive for a guy that moves that well and is that flexible, to be totally honest. That's, like, what, that's what I'm talking about with the back hips, back hip moves in the box. It's crazy how it's deep really he's able flexible. to get in there. Yeah, yeah, like this guy, I don't know, when he's 35, is he going to be moving like that? Probably not, but he's 18, and let's be really happy about that. Um, I love the aggression from the Tigers with both of their high school guys that they took in the first two picks, Clark and McGonagall to low A. Yeah, and I'm a big Kevin McGonagall guy, but – Head already off the complex. You mentioned Jenkins already off the complex. Like 
this is this is really fun because typically when you see a high school first rounder, they baby the crap out of them and they don't get them off the complex and it takes a minute. Like that's just not the case right now. I think everybody's being more aggressive because these high schoolers are more advanced than they've ever been. Yep. And Clark, you got to give him so much credit for being as advanced as he is. He's a physical freak, but man, this dude knows how to play ball, but play ball already. Yeah, that's that's what's impressed me the most is I was kind of wondering, you know, okay, yeah, it's easy to, you know, not expand the zone when no one pitches to you in high school. And, you know, it's easy to have a better approach when you can kind of get to anything in high school. But so far, it's just, again, limited sample size. We only have around 50 plate appearances to work with, but I've watched just about every single one. He doesn't he doesn't chase. He's really patient. He's very, very patient and confident in his ability to battle with two strikes, which I love to see. Real quick, which is why the travel circuit is so important. And I know oh, that yeah. I, I know that there are a lot of people that don't like the showcase nature of baseball now. And and from a pitching perspective, I, I totally understand that because you're you're auditioning for the radar gun and the radar gun gives you everything else you need. And, and frankly, the rap soto gets you everything you need too. So um, you know, I, I think with Clark, like that guy's not seeing competitive pitching at Franklin Community High School. No. But with Indiana Bulls, when they go down and play East Cobb and when they go down and play Evo Shield Canes and Top Tier and all these huge names and everybody. Hey, hey don't, 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 don't forget. Don't forget my my uh, my alma mater, I guess you would call it. Elite Squad. Elite, Elite squad. squad. Yeah, I was on DuPage Training Academy. Um, but like that, it's it's just one of those where like, that's where he gets these reps. And, and I think he made the most of his USA baseball experience. I was going to say USA. I got to, I got access to some of that video and he, there was some great. great piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I, I think that guy being as present as he's been for this long has been really beneficial to his approach because he's seeing yeah. top flight pitching on the travel circuit and on the USA baseball circuit. I think for a high school guy, the floor is pretty much as high as you can, Fine, right? Because if the holiday. bat doesn't even what holiday, I guess in twenty two. Oh no, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Um, but in terms of just like the profile, I guess. Yeah. You already see above average field to hit. You already see de- like good enough EVs that he, he's not a slap hitter, and you can see potential for above average raw. Seventy run times, good defense and center, and he's got a how. People don't realize he's got a howitzer for an arm. Yeah. He was up to 95 on the bump. He's a freak. He's just an absolute freak. So um, I'm excited to see how much power he grows into. He's already popped to 105, which is fun. Um, you know, if, if he can develop into above average power, there's a lot to like here with Max Clark. So excited to see more, but I still have a slight edge, and these guys are probably always going to be stacked against each other. Uh, but Walker Jenkins, this is the most advanced swing of the high school class. And I also think it's one of the most advanced swings in the draft period, like period Walker Jenkins, maybe not as much of a freak athlete as Max Clark, but still a damn good athlete and big time power potential. I'm telling you, Jack, there's a very real chance that Walker Jenkins is a top 10 prospect for us by the start of next season. If I'm able to get some good backfield looks and, um, and I, I would, I would say it's more likely than not by mid season next year, Walker Jenkins is a top 10 prospect in baseball. 
I'm not, it's not saying Max Clark isn't. I'm saying yeah. I'm more confident in Walker Jenkins. That swing is as advanced of a high school. Swing. I, I think, I mean, Jackson Holiday's field of hit is, is, is impressive. And I think his knack for the game is just different level. But I think pure swing, I think Jenkins might be even more advanced. Like he has one of the best swings I've seen out of a high schooler in some time. And I, I just think the power is going to keep, keep, you know, I, I think keep coming. He's 6'3", 215. He produces above average run times. I think he can play a good corner. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm as in on Walker Jenkins as humanly possible. And I still think he's just scraping the surface of the power that he can produce. He's already popped a 108 this year uh, in 15 games. But I think that there's, I think there's potential to hit for, for average and power and turn into an offensive force. I'll take it a step farther. I think if there's one guy in this draft class that's going to hit 40 homers, it's not Wyatt Langford. Ooh. I think it's well, this guy. He's got to hit enough. And that's why and that and that's why I think he's gonna do it. You know what I'm saying? Like people underestimate with 40 homers, you either have to be the most freakish power and just sell out for it every time, or you have to be a good hitter. It, like, yeah, nowadays you have to be a good hitter, and he's a good hitter. Right. So Schwarber and Gallo, I think, are the example of guys that sell out for pop that can do it because the power is so immense. But yeah, man, like I, we talked about Alonzo on the Just Baseball show earlier this week. Alonzo is just a good hitter. He's Jordan Alvarez is just a good hitter. Judge, just a good hitter. Um, Matt Olson, good hitter. Strikes out a lot, but still good hitter. Um, Mookie Betts. Betts. <laughs> if Betts hits 40, man, put him in the hole right now. He's 34. I know. Um, but dude, Shohei like, Otani, he's yes, a good hitter. He's a good hitter. And I, I think that Jenkins – he already shows how smooth he is. And I think smooth, huge 18-year-old with a chance to hop into the Twins, you know, strength and conditioning system, this guy can absolutely become a 40-homer threat because what do the Twins look for in hitters? They look oh, for nukes, do they not? I, that's why I think it's funny, man. I think they just – Jenkins fell in their lap and they're like, oh, my goodness. Um, because I, I, do think he has, <laughs> I think he has that potential, but I – I I see, and it's so early, and I'll, I, this could change as I get more looks at him. But I I think the the Freddie Freeman type of offensive profile might be more like, and it, it kind of depends on who who you try to be, because Freddie Freeman could sell out for pop probably yeah. and hit more homers and not hit three three hundred every single year. But I, I think Walker Jenkins is going to hit for average and then mix in. 25, 30, 35 home runs on the really good years. I mean, Freddie Freeman popped 38 in 2019. Like, I think there's going to be years where Jenkins, and this is the ceiling, right? I think there's going to be years where Jenkins can do that. But I think he's that complete hitter that can be the stats across the board. And sometimes it's 25, 30 home runs. And you don't care because he's so insanely consistent and productive. Like Miguel Cabrera, I remember in the beginning, this is like, when I first started to pay attention to that, like there was the first couple of years of Miguel Cabrera with the Marlins, like there was more home runs. And then some years he didn't hit as many and he hit 330 instead. Like it, it you kind of just go with roll with the punches. If you guys have the ability to do that, I think Walker Jenkins has the ability to do that. Like I think there's some years where he could hit for more average or some years where he could hit for more power. And like, he's got that kind of offensive ability. It's rare to find the plus hit plus power potential guys. And Jenkins is one of them. Yep. 
Moving on to Mason Wynn, recently promoted. And we talked about Pete Alonzo. <laughs> How about that story? Um, I thought Mason Wynn handled it perfectly, and I thought Pete Alonzo handled it perfectly. We talked about that on the Just Baseball show. But we're here to talk about Mason Wynn, the prospect. And Mason Wynn, the prospect, through what is it? How many how many big league games has he played? We got six under his belt. Yep. He's, he's getting his feet wet. I think he's holding his own. Not getting blown up. Six Ks and 23 plate appearances, five hits. He stole a bag. Um, it's Major League Baseball is hard, <laughs> and yeah. he's getting acclimated. But let's talk about the prospect and, and, and how he's earned his way to this call-up. I mean, he just keeps adding power. Everyone was always asking, oh, there's going to be any power there. It's below average, blah, blah, blah. While turning into a plus hitter, because contact rates are plus. The bat to ball, you can just see it as plus, and he hits all types of offerings. While doing that, he's also added more power. He's also hit the ball in the air more consistently. And all of a sudden, you have a guy that's elevated his hit tool to plus, elevated his power to average. And we already knew that he's a special defender at shortstop and can absolutely motor. What else do you want, Jack? Nothing. I don't need anything else. Maybe a teensy bit more pop, but like Mason yeah. Wynn showed pop. Like, uh, he was on a crazy stretch, and I'm t- trying to pull up his numbers from the last 25 games of his minor league career because it was on a crazy hot run. And I think it was like June 15 that he really hit the ground running, and it was just bombs away for Mason Wynn. Yeah, last 25 games for Mason Wynn in AAA. He hit 366. With nine plus seven is 16 plus three, 19 extra base hits in 25 games, nine homers, 26 driven in. He was two for three in the stolen base department, slash 366, 435, 762. That's three points shy of a 1200 OPS in a 25 game sample as a young 21 year old in AAA. And oh, by the way, this guy can be a borderline elite defender if he improves the range because that arm is. As 80 as Ellie De La Cruz's is, as 80 as O'Neill Cruz's is, and and he flat out flies. And you know the the range can be so easy. it's footwork, man, and the footwork will get there. Like he's just a guy that's always been able, like okay, I'm I'm fast as hell, I can move. And I'll, I'll I'll tell you, I'm at the ballpark right now in Indy, and for a week in Indy, I watched this guy get out here at two thirty ahead of a seven o'clock game and work on footwork. I mean, what else do you want? And um, the, the thing that I want to highlight, too, is like the EVs will probably be, you know, everyone likes to look at the Savant page. And once he's qualified, you'll look at that and you'll see, you know, average exit velocity. He'll probably be right around average, like maybe a slightly below league average. And max exit velocity will be, you know, average or slightly below league average, whatever it is. He is one of those guys. Now that he's been able to get that raw power and the exit velocities into the average territory. He backspins baseballs and there's just certain hitters that create that leverage that create that carry. And they're always going to hit more home runs than their batted ball data would imply. And you look at the stretch that you just referenced. Those nine home runs in 24 games, Jack, every single one of those home runs were not cheap and we're not in environments where the ball carries maybe one or two of them were, but I'm looking at most of them. I mean, 392 feet, 412 feet, 400 feet, 105 off the bat. 422 feet, 106 off the bat. Uh, like these aren't, holy crap, like stat cast record, but these aren't cheap. Like these will translate. You know, you got an oppo at 102, 402 feet. Like these will translate. They might not break stat cast, 
but those are not cheap home runs. Those are not Albuquerque home runs. Those are not, you know, wind blowing out at Wrigley home runs. He has the ability to leave the yard 20 times at the highest level if he can get into it consistently enough. And that's going to come once his hit tool is comfortable, right? We saw the power come when Mason Wynn got comfortable as a hitter in AAA. It wasn't him all of a sudden figuring out how to hit for power. It was, I'm comfortable as a hitter. Now I can try to leverage my counts more. Now I can you know, try to lift a little bit more. But there was an acclimation process for him at the beginning of the season in AAA because he was 20 years old in AAA. And once yep. he got comfortable, the power started to, to shine through. Number 17, we have <laughs> Andrew Painter. I mean, I, I feel like we haven't talked about Andrew Painter, obviously, because he's hurt. Um, you want to just kind of like remind people about like how good he was last year and how good the stuff is. But yeah. you know, the, like the Philadelphia Phillies prospect and he like seriously for me, it was and I know you and I would go back and forth on this all the time. Yuri or Painter, Yuri or Painter, Yuri or Painter. If Andrew Painter was healthy, there's a very legitimate chance he's doing the exact thing that Yuri Perez is doing right now. And that that's how special this guy is. They're both the same age. They're both 6'7". They both pound the strike zone in a way that you just doesn't even make sense for how big they are and how crazy their stuff is. You know, Painter, they tried to kick the can down the road, tried to avoid the surgery, and then the inevitability was, you know, Tommy John surgery. And we expect him to come back in 2025 and, you know, hopefully be 100%. Fastball that averaged 96 and a half. Slider that sat it in the low 80s. Change up at 87. All of these, all three, and he, it's mostly, it was mostly fastball slider for him, though. Opponents hit. 181 against him last year, Jack, with a 39% K rate and a 6% walk rate. 155 Ks, 25 walks. He was amazing. Uh, he was like he was the minor league pitcher of the year last year. It is cheat code level stuff. What like what he's got when he's fully healthy, and not only would he not be on this list, but I think he would be contending with. He wouldn't be contending with Carroll, but he would be contending for the runner-up spot in National League yeah. Rookie of the Year. Yeah, him and Yuri. Him and Yuri, right there. Like, step-by-step step again, It's it, it, there's not a doubt in my mind. This guy's going to be amazing when he gets healthy. The it's craziest part. Of yep, and the craziest part, dude, is he started to throw the change up a little bit more and a little bit more at the end of last year. Over his final eight starts, he threw 38 change-ups, 28 first strike. Yeah, he should do the skeins thing and just throw it for practice. Yeah, yeah, right. Like it's it's and it was good. Like the metrics are all good. It looks like a a great pitch. So you have those three pitches with his stuff with his command. It's kind of a wrap. Like he's going to be a problem right away. Um, I mean, the NL East is going to be really dreading right. Painter and Perez for a while. Yeah, um, and, well, and Strider and uh, Smith Shaver and yeah. I. A lot of youngsters, spot, man. A lot of youngsters coming up and through Mike the ranks. Vassal. <laughs> yeah, he's been good in trips lately. Uh, sixteen, and I love the ranking of Ethan Salas at sixteen because it's also his age. But now he actually just turned seventeen two months ago, and also is now in Double A. Did you see what this dude did? By the way, I think it was his first Double A game. Yeah, he went yard, right? No, but he walked it off with a double. 
Oh, that's right. That's right. I think his first double A hit was a walk off double, if I'm not mistaken. Like, I don't think his numbers are going to be that great. Like, I think he's going to struggle. He was struggling in high A. Yeah. But but what the hell, man? <laughs> like, what the hell? He's yeah. just that just shows you how like that is why they push him so fast because it's just like you know that this kid. I mean, they put him in a, a big league spring training game when he was 16. He is so unfazed by everything. But just talking about the player, looking at the numbers, 85% zone contact this year between low A, high A, and now double A as a 16, 17-year-old. Uh, 20% chase rate is absolutely unbelievable. Like, how is this kid so disciplined already? 90th percentile exit velocity of 102 is also really impressive because you assume he's going to, you know, tap into a lot more power as he, you know, hits adulthood. And then, you know, you, you look at the catching, the tools are there. He's raw, like the receiving is 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 pretty good, but the blocking is, you know, still a work in progress. Like he's a 17-year-old who's catching 22-year-olds. Like it's 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 a work in progress. He has the tools to be a very good catcher. I don't think he's, you know, totally there yet. Um, but man, I mean, it, it, it's absurd. We haven't really seen this before. No, uh, probably ever. Right. I'm thinking about Julio Reyes and his age point when he was kind of making his way, but, and, and Wander Franco. Oh, and Franco. That's right. Um, but yeah, man, like the thing that I'm looking at defensively and again, so much of this is relying on the pitcher, but he was throwing out 22% of would be base stealers in low A. It's pretty he goes impressive. to Fort Wayne he catches what six games in Fort Wayne opponents were ten. What uh, six? Six. I've got six. Oh, got nice. okay, two innings. Opponents were ten for ten in the stolen base department. Oh my! So far they're one for two. So he has gone down a runner um, at the double A level. But like, you know, I I'm just curious how it works for a catcher. We're in uncharted territory for catchers and pitchers. Julio Arias, I understand the most. Franco, I understand second most because that guy's just an amazing, you know, hit tool shortstop guy. Like he was, you know, beyond his years in terms of, you know, approach and bat to ball. But with Salas, it's twofold. And we talk about that all the time. The development of catchers making their way through the minor leagues. And for you to put this on a guy in both yeah. aspects, I think is unfair. But credit to Salas for coming up in a big moment right away. Yeah, no, I'll be honest, like the the catch and throw is definitely a work in progress. So it's not a total surprise to see that like start to be a little bit more of an issue as he's you know progressed. I, I think the arm is is fine, but there's just it, again, it's just he's just not very quick with the catch and throw yet. And I, I think that's something that yeah, you know, will come. He's super athletic, and that's that's the biggest thing. Like you have a really athletic catcher who moves well back there, and with the right coaching, I think he can turn into a really good catcher quite quickly. But you know, receiving metrically, you know, from what I'm able to gather metrically, like slightly subpar or like, you know, below average with the receiving numbers. Again, he's 16, 17. And, you know, the catch and throw, like it's a work in progress. He's 16, 17. What's so impressive is the bat though. Like these above average contact rates already flashing average or slightly above average power already getting into it in games already. Um, there's a lot to love with the bat. And then you see the defensive tools and it's like, yeah, this guy's going to be really good. Yeah. <laughs> Number 15, Colson Montgomery. One of my favorite swings in minor league baseball as well. I think he's kind of very similar to what I love about Walker Jenkins. And, you know, Colson got a late start to the season. 
because of a back. And then I think he had like another, another issue. Um, And it's pretty much made up for lost time (laughs) lit up high a pitching. And now has settled in and started to put up some pretty good numbers in double a punching out a little bit, but you know, this is age 21 season and, you know, was part of that project Birmingham thing, which I think stifled a lot of his momentum. And then even with a little bit more of the whiff in double a, he's continued to be extremely productive. I'm also not concerned about the whiff yet. Another guy who really does not chase. So he goes into a lot of deep count, 16% chase rate. Contact rates are phenomenal. 85%. And those have continued to get better as the year has gone on. 90th percentile exit velocity of 105. There's more room in that frame for sure too, man. I see shades of Corey Seager when I look at his offensive game. I really do. And I think Colson Montgomery is another one of those candidates where before he gets called up, I think he, he could be in the top prospect in baseball type of conversation. He's walking as much as he strikes out over the course of the year so far. Again, I know he struck out more in double A, but low chase, good contact, already plus power with the potential for even more. Um, I'm, I'm all the way in on this guy. Dude, you have no idea how quickly – White Sox fans would sign up for Corey Seager light so quickly. That's amazing. Like that's that's very lofty praise for a guy that I mean is is so young. But you're right, man. Like he's kind of dominating so far in 16 games and double to this point. Like he's fully holding his own, and I just love that. And you know, I don't know what next year looks like. It might look like a full year in Birmingham. Um, but, you know, we'll see if it's first couple months in Birmingham, he's OPSing 850 and then he gets the bump to Charlotte. But, yeah, I listen, I know there's another outlet that has him at two. Um, yeah. I, he can absolutely get there if he shows what what he can show at the upper levels. Is it CH Go? Is that who uh, is that? Yeah, is that, CHGO. Yeah. So they did a cool thing where they like aggregated all of the rankings of Colson yeah. Montgomery, you know, the athletic. ESPN, Prospectus, Keith Law, us, we were the second highest besides yeah. besides Kylie McDaniel, who had him at two, which is like, I love it. I honestly like tip of the cap, Kylie, like I, I this is a guy where I'll, I'll let it happen. Like I will support that because I, I am all in on Colson. Like I wouldn't put it. The only reason he's not in the top 10 was as we were making this list, he was just getting off the IL and, and I'm doing these write-ups like, it, it, we didn't have much sample. I think if we did the list right now, Colson's probably up even a few more spots. He's not a two, but he's up a few more spots. Um, he's he's another one that he, it's only up from here. And already popped to 111 this year. He's 6'4", 205. It's that exact Corey Seager type frame. If he adds some more muscle, I mean, again, I need, probably need to amend. I, I think there's 65, 70 raw power potential in there. Damn, man. Damn. Wyatt Langford. Talk about big juice as well. This guy, we were shocked to see him fall to four in the 2023 MLB draft. Texas Rangers get him. And I mean, dude, he's been as advertised so far, far in high A. I hope, I hope, I think he'll get a little taste of double A right when the high A season ends. Mm-hmm. Uh, so far in high A, 17 games, pair of homers, four bags, 150 WRC plus, 19% walk rate. 20% K rate. I've said that I think there's going to be a little bit more swing and miss to Langford's game than people think, but I still think he'll grade out as an average hitter at the very least. The power is plus. He produces plus run times. I, he's going to settle in a corner outfield spot, but just crazy power that he already gets into in games 
really easily. He became a better and better hitter as the season went on. His one little issue was kind of pulling off of baseballs a little bit uh, early in the college season. That that gave him some struggles against hard breaking balls. Fixed that as the year went on. Started to use the whole field more. And this is a guy that's going to fly through through the minor league ranks too. Dude, give me an outfield trio of Evan Carter, Aaron Zavala, and Wyatt Langford to end the year, and I'm such a happy man. That'd be hilarious. Carter and Langford in the same outfield is like, hey, let's start dreaming on this now. Um, That that would be so cool. And it's clear that high A is too easy for him. And if Cruz is in double, let's get him to high A right now. So 17 games so far. You mentioned he's dominating 267, 413. 500 he's walked 14 times he's punched out 15 in 75 plate appearances 915 ops in high a come on man like let's yeah. go through the frisco yeah and he's still in bags and everything like yeah you know, yeah. i, I want to see some more like i want to see him challenged and double and in the texas league he might pop like a 470 foot bomb yeah like, I'm, I'm i'm waiting on that 470 foot bomb let's get him uh, to amarillo and, for a minute oh please i would love that it'd be so fun uh, is already. I think we've already seen a 110 from him with with wood, but we saw we saw some crazy EVs from him with metal. I think the best we saw with metal was a 115 that I'm able to track. Uh, th- there's there's some exciting power here from Wyatt Langford. Love it. 13, Cole Keith. I I mean, come on. If you you're probably sick of hearing about Colt Keith if you've been listening to this podcast since the beginning of the season. I. I just couldn't be more in on a hitter. It's it's just that simple. This guy has been hey, – he's a candidate for minor league hitter of the year this year now. And, I mean, just from a data perspective, 85% zone contact, 105 mile per hour, 90th percentile exit velocity. Then you factor in the fact that he continuously gets into that power in games, lifts the ball with authority to all fields. His pull side power is comical. He has a 473-foot home run off of Jared Eikhoff this year, which – well. Jared Eikhoff, it's been tough to watch recently, but still, 473-foot home run is crazy. Um, but he's a good hitter. He's a good hitter, which is important because you're not always going to be able to hit the home runs in Comerica. One, you got to be able to really launch them when you do, and he does. But two, you got to be able to find those gaps and, and beat the outfielders over the head, and that's what he does. He hits the ball hard to all fields. Uh, Cole Keith is one of the best pure, just all-around hitters in the minor leagues as a 21 year old in double and triple a, this guy can realistically hit 300 with 25 homers and a hundred RBIs. How's that not the minor league hitter of the year? Yeah. I understand that there are some guys with better OPS, like Aranda and Michael Bush have OPS is over a thousand, but are they going to get it? Like they've been in triple a for a long time for this guy to do this when he's three years younger than the average hitter in double a and five and a half years younger than the average hitter in triple a for him to be doing this is utterly nuts. And the tigers, man, they haven't gone away this year. Kerry Carpenter has been electric. I know you're working on a feature on Kerry Carpenter, but Torkelson starting to figure it out. I think this team, as soon as opening day next year, if Parker Meadows is in the lineup, if Keith is in the lineup on opening day, this team is way, way more watchable and borderline very exciting. I was just talking about that on the Just Baseball show with Peter because we were talking about one of the questions we got in the mailbag was like, who's a team that's completely out of it that you think could sneak into contention next year? And I was like, man, I, I think that the Tigers could be interesting. You got Scooble back. 
your time Madden can probably get up there and help you. Uh, they've got these other arms that are starting to you know contribute. Matt Manning looks passable, but just from the offensive perspective, I think Cole Keith can break camp next year. Because like, what else do you really need to see? It'll be one of those things like similar to Brett Beatty, and I know they ended up sending Beatty back down. But if if Keith starts the year in AAA next year, it's going to be boring. It's going to be like this guy's yawning between pitches. Like, why are we doing this? So I think it's great. He's going to finish the year in Triple, continue to light it up. And I hope he gets every single chance to break camp next year. And I think he will because they've been giving him action at third. They've been giving him action at second. Uh, you know, and we know the defense is not great, but he's been seeing a lot more action at second. And I wonder, you know, with the team next year, you put that guy at second. That is, I mean, that's a really productive lineup because you're getting way better than than average production at second base. And if, if you know, you see Edward Julien, this is an elevated version of that in terms of, you know, the values coming from the bat, I think Keith can get himself to being a, a passable defender at least. Um, whereas yeah. Julian was like doomed from, from, from the jump. Yeah, I think so. Like right now they're relying on McKinstry at second and Veerling at third. And those guys can both Veerling's absolutely third. Veerling's playing third. He's played 17 <laughs> games at third at this point. So like, at this point, have Colt Keith play third base because yeah. like Matt Veerling's there right now. Um, and McKinstry, like both those guys can absolutely have a spot on the roster next year, McKinstry and Veerling. But Keith is better than them. Oh, right yeah. Now. I think like right now. Yeah, I do, right I do think Cole is better than them. So I, I'm excited to see if he gets a chance to break camp. That's one of the number one candidates. And uh, in terms of combination of hit and power, he's up there with, with just about anybody. We're talking about the XY axis. Like he's way up there on both. Uh, and, and that's why I love Cole Keith. Yep. Jefferson Caro, who's your name on the uh, name tag for the episode today uh, mm-hmm. as we get to the final two players. We got to pull up the the audio of when I first saw Caro in the Arizona Fall League and how just mesmerized I was. Because like at that point, you know, I didn't know much on him. Um, he definitely was not near any top 100 list anywhere. I don't even know if he was in the top 10 list on the Brewer system for just about anybody. He was a $200,000 international free agent in 2019. And I fell in love with what I saw, but just continued to follow. And, you know, he's pretty much exceeded every expectation that even I had when I was mesmerized by his game. Well-rounded catcher, athletic, hose for an arm, receives well, continues to get better in that department. The bat has been awesome for a catcher. I think he slowed down a bit as of late, but still 805 OPS on the season. 86% zone contact, 105 mile per hour, 90th percentile exit velocity, continues to consistently lift the ball um, and, and, and with authority. He's too aggressive. That was the big thing. But he's reined that in as the year has gone on, and he's cut that chase rate finally under 30%. He's slumping right now, and that's brought the year numbers down. Okay, like he's a human, and he's you know finally slumping a little bit. Um, I, I think this is one of the best – clearly one of the best catching prospects in the game. I think he has a chance to be one of the most well-rounded catching prospects in the game uh, between the field to hit, the power, the defensive ability, and just the all-around athleticism that comes with Jefferson Caro at 20 years old. I think he's the most underrated prospect in baseball because he's a Milwaukee Brewers farmhand. Nobody wants to talk about Brewers prospects. And when you think about Milwaukee Brewers prospects, chances are you go to the outfielders that are either graduated in Freelick and Mitchell, or you go to 
Mizorowski, who lit the world on fire in the Futures game, like, I guarantee you there are a lot of baseball fans that, you know, consider themselves like prospect knowers that don't necessarily know who Jefferson Caro is. Yeah. Well, and I think that that's it's, a shame. It's, it's, it's true because, you know, and, and catchers kind of gets, you know, buried a little bit. And it's like, this guy rakes. He's produced two home runs, 110 miles an hour. I think he's produced like four batted balls, 110 plus, a couple 111s. Again, above average contact rates with the chase rates as high as they are. Like his batted ball profile isn't far off from like casting cursed stats. And then he's a catcher. Um, how, about, so- how about this all time brain fart, by the way? Uh, when I just said, you think Brewers prospects, I didn't even mention Chorio. Oh, yeah, that guy's pretty good. Yeah, so, like, he's not even the most notable prospect on his own team. No, not even close, <laughs> which is crazy because, you know, and everyone knows Chorio. If he can cut down the chase, I think this guy could be one of the more well-rounded catchers at the highest level, and that's why we've got him at 12. I remember texting you, like, a year ago being like, should we push Jefferson on the top 100 list? And, like, you're like, if you believe it. And it was a little early, and I think we threw him in the back end. And now it's like he's no doubt one of the best catching prospects in the game. And I'm a big fan of his wrapping up this episode with Evan Carter, who slides a little bit and we'll talk about that, but he's still number 11 prospect in major league baseball, Texas Rangers farmhand, 20 years old. I mean, such a, such a good talent, such an advanced hitter for his age. I mean, the numbers that he's been able to put up at every single stop um, as a six, four, 200 pound, 190, 200 pound center fielder, high school guy, just basically just outclassed his competition at every stop. This has been his first kind of like challenge full season in double A, and he's still been really solid. A 134 WRC plus, uh, 22 bags. He's kind of been an inefficient base dealer, though. He's not the fleetest of foot. I think it's slightly above average run times than, than plus. Um, but the power, there's so much more there. And his swing is is incomplete. And that's the craziest thing, Jack, is he is producing the way he is with a swing that I think in terms of, of all of the prospects that we're going to talk about in the top 20, I think his swing is the furthest off. And that's almost a testament to how good he is with his hands, how adjustable he is and athletic he is in the box, because it is very much a, a you know forward-moving swing. And that's why if you see all of the balls that he hits hard, it's pull side. It's it's a pushy swing, but he is so athletic and he is so quick and the path is already, you know, clean enough that if he can get himself to stay into that back hip, I think it's game over. There's a lot of forward move and I think some of it's to get into the pull side power, but like that's the scariest thing about Evan Carter is he's doing what he's doing. And he, I still think he's just scraping the surface of what he's capable of. Yeah. So that was going to be my next question. Like scraping the surface, how quickly do you think he goes from not scraping or from, you know, scraping the surface to he's ready to help one of the better teams in all of baseball? Because it looks like the window is open right now. It sounds like among the top 15 to 20, this guy may actually be the farthest off. And I know he spent the entire year in double A. Yeah. I know he's dealt with some injury here and there, too. Um, Do you think he repeats next year, even though he's had, by all accounts, a great year? I think I think he should be in any other world. He he would be in triple by now. Right. And I think that there's a reason why he's not in triple by now. And I think it's the fact that they see some things that he needs to clean up with the swing a little bit. That's 
taken away from his power. When you have that drift forward, you know, again, when you can still kind of rip shit, you can kind of rip it pull side. But when you have that move forward, it's really hard to have power to, to any other parts of the field. And it's also hard to catch up to, you know, hard stuff inside and stay on breaking balls. And, you know, I, I, the field of hit has been what's allowed him to compete, which is really impressive. But when you look at, you know, 93 plus this year, it's funny. I have not looked at his velocity or his numbers against velocity this year. I've only looked at the swing. 218 hitter against 93 plus. Like I, I had a feeling it was going to look like that. 94 plus, it's it's not, it's even worse. And then you got you got 37 plate appearances against 95 plus, which is a fair sample size, 148 batting average. Because yeah. that move and those hands going forward and the body going forward when the pitch is coming in on you, you're giving yourself less time. And guys that are less talented than Carter get blown up and, and don't even succeed. He is so talented and already has a good enough path, which I think is the harder part, that he's succeeding. So if he can, you know, kind of perfect the lower half, he's 6'4, by the way, too. Like it takes time. Mm-hmm. If he can perfect the lower half, I think he could be game over. Like yeah. power to all fields, game over. And I'm excited to see what that looks like. I think he will figure that out. And I think that to answer your question, It'll be as soon as he figures that out. So that could be next year. He only has one home run that's not to the pull side, and it was a 95-mile-per-hour batted ball, 372 feet the other way. Interesting. So, and again, I didn't know that either. I only knew the swing. And then when you, when you, when you have the swing and you have your hypothesis and then the data backs it up and the spray charts back it up, you can feel pretty confident in, in that hypothesis. But I, if he fi- – if he figures that out, dude, it's a wrap. It's yeah. a wrap. So I'm excited. And I know he's going to. Like he, he's a smart player. He was committed to Duke. And uh and and he's a guy that, you know, I, I know puts a lot of thought into his game. So that'll do it for this episode. If you can leave a rating, I really appreciate it. Help us grow the show. Get your just baseball merch. Episode is in the link description. We have, or the link is in the episode description. We have you know, athletic polos, we got hats, we got all that good stuff. Uh, we got a bunch of coffee mugs, anything. It's a great way to support just baseball, and we really appreciate it. Be sure to tune in to Jack McMullen calling games for the Indianapolis Indians. Um, some great – you called a Matt Mervis homer at 111 the other day, and I loved it. Um, <laughs> and Merv had a good text about it. He said, that's about as excited – or that's about as good as a, a road broadcaster can sound. I know that you were low-key pumped for Merv, but you you yeah. could you got to draw the line. Um, and, and Jack does a really good job of it because the prospect head in him is also pumped up about the home run. Yeah. Like, you still got to be the Indianapolis Indians broadcaster, which I love. It's funny because like Canario, Alexander Canario with the Cubs has hit four homers in three games and he is like on an insane tear right now. And I'm excited internally. I'm like, this is so cool. Especially with the story, he broke his ankle and all that stuff. It was a bro. It was a fractured ankle and a dislocated shoulder on the same play in the Dominican winter league last year, it was nuts. So for that guy to come back and finally regain form and, and be on this tear that he's on right now, I'm watching and I'm like, this is so cool. And as the <laughs> Chicago and as the closeted Cubs fan that I am, I'm like, this is going to be so fun when he's up impacting the Cubs, but I'm sitting here like, Oh no, he's beating the Indians. <laughs> like it. Yeah. It's, but no, yeah. but if you want some, some good, exciting road broadcast still. Jack McMullen's got you on the Indianapolis Radio Network with Howard Kelman. But until then, we will be talking top 10 prospects with you next week, promotions next week, and all that good stuff. Talk to you then. Have a great weekend.